to a Southern Farming Systems podcast. I'm Michelle McClure, hosting Wes Lafroy's Rabobank Senior Agricultural Analyst at the SFS 2022 Results Morning. Wes will be discussing nitrogen and commodity forecasts and decisions for the 2022 cropping season. Over to you, Wes. Morning. No worries. Thanks very much for having me. Today, you're going to hear lots of presentations about, in particular, the technical use of nitrogen, um, uh, how, how measuring nitrogen, um, you know, knowing to put it in the right place. Today, I'm, I'm going to come at it from a slightly different angle and, and, and much more of a bigger picture in terms of what are the key drivers at the moment around nitrogen price, um, but also nitrogen um, supply as well from, from a global standpoint. So... I like to start my presentations by providing a, a little bit of a context on, on where we actually sit in global markets because uh, a, a lot of people know uh, not too much about global uh, farm input markets and particularly nitrogen in, in, in particular. Um, so basically probably the best way to describe it is that we're a small fish in a big pond. So we're less than 2% of global consumption for fertiliser. So whatever happens here in Australia uh, doesn't actually impact um, global markets um, too much at all. We also import on average seventy percent of our fertilizer, so it's it's a it's a large um, portion of our fertilizer comes in from offshore. For year, we import ninety three percent of our urea. Now that mainly comes from the Middle East. We only get a small portion from China. Now the reason for that is China is predominantly a, a coal based product. It isn't e as easy to spread. Um, it's, it's not as uniform as well. So, so that will actually increase in the coming year or so when IPL are actually closing down um, their, their plant up at Gibson Island in, in, near Brisbane. Um, so the dependence on urea imports will actually increase. Phosphates, um, we 38% of our diammonium phosphate is imported. 80% uh, of our MAP is imported. For potash, we import 100% of our muriated potash. So this mainly comes from the US and Canada. Um, for agrochemicals, uh, and I use glyphosate here as, a, as an example, we're essentially 100% reliant on, on imports for agrochemicals. So 65% of global supplies for glyphosate comes from China, 35% from the US. So when you look at it from, from our inputs perspective, we're heavily reliant on urea imports, 100% imported for potash. Um, phosphate varies by product, and, and glyphosate and other agrochemicals is pretty much 100% imported. So in the absence also of, of a transparent local price list, we use Australian dollar adjusted global prices as our main indicator. So this helps us to understand what local prices are doing, even though when even though we're using Australian dollar adjusted global prices, because that is the major driver of local prices here in Australia. Uh, also, ocean freight, um, currency, uh, local demand and, and storage and transport also play into, into local prices. So let's let's dive straight into into the price perspective. And, and and here I've got a chart of Australian dollar adjusted global fertilizer prices in 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 FOB. So the main one I want to draw your attention to is is that orange line. So the orange line is uh, Australian dollar adjusted global urea prices from the Middle East. Now from November not last year down to, to February. Things were actually looking pretty good. Prices came off 40%. Um, we'd seen European gas prices in particular come back around 60%. There were indicators in the market that supply was improving. So 
India are a massive supplier of fertilizer, uh, sorry, a massive buyer of fertilizer in the market. Both their November and also their December tender were oversubscribed by more than double. So, so that left a lot of people in the market really starting to wonder where all this extra fertilizer was actually going to go. Now, since then, we've obviously seen um, the terrible events happening in Ukraine at the moment with Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Now, that has had some large impacts uh, on the global fertilizer market. Now, this doesn't come at a good time for Australia. We import around 65% of our fertilizer, uh, sorry, our urea from the period from March to June, uh, March to July, sorry. So we're in the, we've just begun the peak importing time for our urea. So it comes at a, at a, at a, at a difficult time in particular. So there's three, three main impacts, if you like, of, of this crisis on fertilizer. The first one is natural gas prices. So uh, for urea in particular, natural gas makes up around 80 to 90% of the cost base. So it's a, it's a large part um, of the production of, of, of urea from a cost perspective. Now, we've seen the prices of natural gas actually increase again in Europe. Um, they've come back slightly, but they're still very high. And that's mainly because of the uncertainty of supply of natural gas from Russia into Europe. So Russia supplies around 40% of Europe's needs for, for natural gas. So there's a lot of uncertainty at the moment. Now, we have seen some plants in Europe actually curtail production, um, cut production back, which has put pressure on, on, on global supplies as well. Um, so that's been another um, you know, impact of the fueling of nitrogen prices. Um, also, also um, the second main impact is on supply. I'll, I'll touch on that more in, in, in a second in terms of our exposures um, and, and how the world market is exposed to Russia. But the third point is on port access. So even if you could buy a cargo out of Russia at the moment, shipping lines are avoiding all the ports in, in Ukraine. They're essentially avoiding the, um, the ports as well in the Black Sea from Russia. And, and also in the Baltic as well. And the reason for that is because the insurance premiums are just too high and, and it costs too much for ships to essentially be, be um, parked up or, or at anchor, if you like. Um, so the opportunity cost of them you know, not working or getting stuck in the middle of a war zone is very high. So shipping lines just prefer to, to avoid the area altogether. So they're the three main impacts of, of this crisis. So taking a bit of a closer look at, at the supply side. now. I've also included um, Belarus in this equation. So here we've got all the main um, uh, urea, uh, we've got the main fertilizer products across the top. On the left-hand side, we've got um, production and exports, um, the, the global share for Belarus, Russia, and Ukraine. So I want to draw your attention in particular to the black um, boxes. So Russia is a big exporter of ammonia. 23% of the world's ammonia comes from, um, comes from Russia. 14% of the world's urea also comes from Russia. Now, ammonium nitrate is a big one as well. 46% of the world's global exported ammonium nitrate comes from Russia. Now, some of that is actually used in mining. So, so not only just for agriculture, but also mining for explosives in particular. Um, so, so basically, the world is heavily exposed on, on the nitrogen side um, to Russian exports. Also, MAP, 15% uh, of the world's MAP comes from, from Russia. Now, myriad of potash is, is also a big concern. So 21% of the world's myriad of potash comes um, from Russia in terms of exports, but also the same in Belarus. So Russia and Belarus are responsible for 40% of the world's 
um, exports for for myriad of, myriad of potash. So the other compounding factor is that while we don't have much direct exposure to Russia, so we only import around 5% of our urea supplies each year come from Russia, um, our biggest concern is, is countries like Brazil, who, which are the largest importers in the world, actually coming into to our traditional suppliers and, and almost competing for the supplies. So if, if I'm a supplier, I'm looking to build relationships with the biggest customers as possible. So given Australia is only a small buyer, if you like, in, in terms of our supplies, you know that that is a concern that Brazil is going to almost push us aside um, from a from a um, you know price and supply standpoint as well on 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 the supply side. Now, the one one silver lining, I guess, over the last couple of years is that we've really learnt how resilient fertilizer suppliers are. Last year, despite all the issues around COVID nineteen. Um, we had extremely high freight rates. We had disruptions at ports. We had big port shutdowns, particularly in China. It's remarkable that importers were able to import the amount they did. We had the most amount of urea imported um, on, on record. The first time we've ever surpassed 2.5 million tons of urea imports. As you can see that on the left. So we've got um, average, uh, sorry, we've got annual um, cumulative uh, imports. So it was the first time ever that we passed 2.5 million tonnes of urea imports. Now, on the on the right-hand side, we've also got um, MAP imports. So, so as you can see, one of the biggest things in terms of accounts of the issues that we've seen is imported bringing product actually in earlier. So where we'd see, you know, the traditional importing period, particularly for, you know, urea, as I said, start in, say, April, it's now moved earlier. And, and similar for MAP, we've essentially seen the imports coming in um, earlier to to counteract some of these some of these issues. So this year is 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 really going to be I I think a balance for growers between the price risk and the supply risk. So we do expect prices will continue to increase and and, and remain high. Now we expect prices will remain high in the short term. You know we expect that prices will remain around that fourteen to fifteen hundred dollars a ton locally um, for, for the remainder of, of, of the second quarter. We may see some minimal global price relief possible around the middle of Q, mid to late Q2. And that's due to seasonality factors when major people, major countries, sorry, are, are buying within the global market. Now, if, 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 she, if we do see Russia actually resume exports in the next couple of weeks, this may actually support to ease price growth. Now, while it's okay to, to, for Russia to be able to export some cargoes, we need that certainty of supply to, to, to enable prices to actually move down. Now, on the price side, this will actually mean this will actually take a couple of months to flow through here locally. So, in a hypothetical scenario, if, if prices drop significantly, you know, tomorrow, we may not see those prices actually drop at the farm gate for for at least two to three months, as long as even four months. So. So that's something to take into account on, on the price side. Now, on the supply side, in terms of what I mentioned, despite COVID-19, massive supply chain issues, we've learned that fertiliser importers are resilient and they've done so by bringing cargoes and, and, and supplies in earlier, um, which, which, which is, is, makes, it, makes it easier if, if there's a lot of um, you know, farmers and, and growers have, have, have contracted a lot of their, their buyers and forward purchase. But it's also difficult um, as well to, to buy 
by hand to mouth as well later in the season. If 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 the season's progressing really well, um, there just may not be those supplies there. So so that's a key point to to watch. Our, our direct exposure to Russia is is minimal, um, but as I said, we're, we're likely to see um, bigger countries like bigger bot purchasing countries like Brazil, who are the major world's biggest importers of fertilizer. They're likely to be challenging in our traditional um, traditional markets. So the one, I guess the the one thing that's almost helping helping soften soften the blow a little bit is the fact that fertilizer prices have actually risen faster than so grains prices have certainly risen, but fertilizer prices have actually risen faster than grains prices. So here I've got a ratio, um, if you like, for the the price comparing Australian dollar adjusted urea versus um, versus uh, APW wheat in Geelong. So as you can see during during uh, 2018, 19, 2020, the price of APW wheat was almost the same as the price of urea. So since then, we've, we've seen the wheat price improve considerably, but we've also seen the fertilizer price increase actually three threefold. So where the ratio was one to one between fertilizer and wheat back in 2020, we're essentially almost at three to 3.5. So where you used to be able to buy you know, a ton of fertilizer with a ton of wheat, it's it's now about it's now about three and a half tons of wheat to to one ton of fertilizer. So while the increase in, in in grains prices has softened the blow a little bit, it certainly hasn't softened it softened it um, totally. That's for sure. So with, with that in mind, I think it, it can give growers some comfort that that we do expect um, APW prices will um, will remain strong for at least the next six months or so. We've seen basis at, at record lows. Now that's due to the fact that CBOT wheat has increased, the global wheat prices have increased um, so dramatically. We've seen that come back in the last couple of weeks. And the fact that local prices have been a little bit softer than global prices, just due to the fact that we've got strong local supplies here and essentially all the shipping slots in Australia are almost fully booked. So, so it's been hard for us to actually supply the global market because our, our shipping is, is as at capacity. So moving forward, we could see prices move as high in, in an absolute high case scenario, in the most severe scenario. We think prices for local APW wheat could move as high as $600 a ton. Now, that's if we see basis move at, at, say, at current levels. We don't see any exports from the Black Sea, but we also see um, North America stay in extreme drought as well. So that's an absolute most severe scenario. Now, on the downside, we could also see global price, uh, sorry, local APD, uh, APW prices actually come back and move closer to $300 a ton. Now, if we see peace talks succeed, if we see the Russian wheat trade continue just to different de destinations um, and the North American drought improves substantially, that will help bring prices back. Now, most likely scenario is that we'll see APW prices remain somewhere in the middle around that four, around. You know, the high 300s, 400, uh, around that $400 a mark um, for the next six months or so. So our most likely scenario is, is somewhere in the middle. But th they're the key points to watch in terms of the most severe upside scenario, but also the most severe um, downside scenario. So my key takeaways for today. So if you haven't listened to anything over the last 10 minutes, um, now's a good time to, to, to listen um, for, for my four key points. Now, we expect prices will stay high over the coming months. That's my, my first key one. So I think it's important to, to budget for high, high urea prices. Now, 
The, the second key factor is supply this year is not certain. We, we think growers will need to take both um, price and supply into account when making nitrogen decisions. As I said, I, I think it's going to be harder to, to buy uh, hand to mouth or, or off the spot market this year, just due to the fact that that um, buyers are going to be looking to carry, uh, sorry, importers are going to be looking to carry as least amount of inventory um, as possible due to the fact that the prices are so high. The third point is there's ne never been a better year to invest you know, time and money in de decision making support. We particularly saw more so on the on, uh, during 2008. When prices were at record highs, we saw big cuts in, in uh, phosphate and also potash supplies uh, at around 20%. Um, and it took a few years for those two to both recover. Now, that was due to the fact that, that um, you know, we've seen farmers invest in, in precision agriculture to, to use the, both those nutrients um, a little bit better. We didn't see that the same for, for nitrogen, given it's a little bit more complex. So, so you know, probably this year there, there's no better um, year for, for return on investment in terms of time and money in, in nitrogen decision-making support. And I think um, it, it may be a key message that you've heard already a little bit today and we'll probably continue to hear it, but I think communication with suppliers this year will be critical. So so um, both on the price, um, price front, but also on the supply front, I think it's important for them to know your expectations into you know, how much urea you'll expect um, to be using for the remainder of the year. So I'm going to leave that there. That was Wes LaFroy's Rabobank's Senior Agricultural Analyst at the SFS 2022 Results Morning. For more information, check out the description box or www.sfs.org.au. Don't forget to comment, like and share this podcast. I'm Michelle McClure. Thanks for listening.